1: Welcome to The Artistic Spot, a podcast about art, talent, and entrepreneurship, where you are also the artist. And now your host, José Rodríguez Marmol.
2: And this is how we welcome you to Artistic Spot, a podcast about art, talent, and entrepreneurship where you are also the artist. In Artistic Spot, we're actors and actresses of our own movies, singers of our own musicals, and writers of our own books. In Artistic Spot, you're also the artist. Artistic Spot is brought to you by JJ Arts and Design Productions from Orlando, Florida. They also offer art workshops for kids, adults, so they can discover the artist within. Orlando Fine Arts Academy is now enrolling for its summer camp 2019 for kids. And along with MTI Theater International Productions, they're bringing the 2019 production of The Lion King Jr. Musical and Frozen Jr. this summer. Do you want to know more information? Just go ahead and follow them on social media, Orlando Fine Arts on Instagram. Or just go ahead and sign up on their website, www.orlandofineartsacademy.com. So, no further ado, we spoke that in artistic spots, we're actors and actresses of our own movies and singers of our own musicals. And speaking of which, we have a very special guest tonight. He's joining us live from Davenport, Florida. Today, we have a very special guest, Preston Ellis, who is an actor, he's a singer. So, we are going to talk to you guys, our audience, a little bit about his career and about Preston as a person. So this is how we welcome Preston. Thank you, Preston, for accepting our invitation to Artistic Spot. Of course. Thanks for
1: introducing me. Uh, Quite an intro there, buddy. I appreciate it.
2: So I'm going to give you a round of applause because we appreciate you being part of our story.
1: I certainly love praise. I I won't turn it away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Preston, now talk to us a little bit about who you are.
1: Who I am? Okay, we're not going to start with a career. Just me as a person. uh, I am a Scorpio. I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. I spent four years at Elon University, nine years in New York City before moving down here with my wife. But pretty much, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, um, easygoing, not a lot really bothers me. I'm a very passionate person, obviously, to be in this industry, you have to be. You also have to be a very sensitive person, so those two, uh, two things constantly clash within me. But pretty much, I'm just somebody who wants to enjoy life. My dad always told me, uh, as a kid, you know, do what makes you happy, and I've pretty much invited by that my entire life. Uh, and as you can see, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I told Jose right now, um, obviously, I'm, I'm in the midst of like several different projects, which is both very exciting and very stressful. But that's the way that my life, my wife and I like to lead our lives. We like to keep it exciting. We like to keep it fresh. We like it to be unpredictable. And that's what makes life really interesting and really fun. And like I mentioned,
2: also very stressful. Of course. And you mentioned something which is really important that your dad told you to do whatever made you happy. And you're now doing it. And you said that you have several projects on the table around seven at the same time so talk to us a little bit about that because we know that Preston is an actor he's also a singer you have been in musicals you have a podcast which we're going to talk about in a few minutes so talk to us a little bit about how that acting career is starting for you.
1: Yep. Definitely. Before I get to the acting uh, career, I'll get the boring stuff out of the way first, stuff that you guys probably aren't interested in. Maybe you are. Uh, About two years ago, I started writing for the National Basketball Association. Uh, I wasn't being paid very much. It was initially for free, and then it became a a couple of dollars. The podcasting thing was basically just to make some contacts. And all of a sudden here, now I'm making a significant amount of money. I'm credentialed at at basketball games. I wrote for a national syndication called Bleacher Report, which is a subsidiary of CNN and Turner Sports. And it's, it's just one of those things that regardless of what it is, if you put in the time and, and you really exercise – uh, your investment into whatever that said product is, you can make a living out of pretty much anything. So that's what I do on the side. And that's inevitably, you know, the the regular person job, whenever the arts uh, stuff falls away and you really need something concrete to grasp a hold of. That's one of the most important things that I tell to anybody is you have to have a secondary skill. And that's something they don't preach enough in college. You have to have a secondary skill mm-hmm. because things are going to be good sometimes and things are going to be bad. Things were bad for me for about six months or so, and now, uh, as you just mentioned, they're fantastic. Contracted at Disney as a full-time performer. Uh, I'm working at Theater West End. I just closed one show. I'm putting up two more shows there. Uh, I'm constantly doing voiceovers. Uh, I had two callbacks for Orlando Shakes, hoping one of those lands. A couple of other projects that I can't talk about yet, but just there's there's just... It's, when it rains, it pours, and, and when things are really difficult, it really seems like you're not going to see the sun, and it's, it seems like there's no end to your struggle, but at, at the at the crux of that, at the end of that, uh, you know, life just finds a way, and, and, and you find whatever it is you're seeking. If you put in the work, if you put in the investment, if you remain positive, I, I just feel like everything happens for a reason. And with that being said, the next year is going to be very good to me, and then I'm probably going to struggle again. Uh, just a very quick story. One of my friends in New York City, I'm going to name drop here if any of you know who he is. His name is Jose Lana. He did three Broadway, original Broadway shows back to back to back, bought himself a really nice condo in Chelsea, and then for three years could not book anything. There's another girl um, at Finding Nemo the musical who was in two Broadway shows back to back and very similar. Couldn't book anything for three years. Eventually got herself onto a Disney contract uh, on a ship and now she works at Disney full time. She's been here I think for for five years. So the struggle is always real but I try to always remain positive and I never stop working and I think that's the most important thing is just being positive positive. And, and you just can't stop. No matter what anybody tells you, no matter how many doors close in your face, you just have to keep pushing through.
2: You mentioned something which is really important, staying positive. But how can you stay positive and have that positive energy and maybe that positive vibe as well when you're struggling? You're mentioning that uh, your friend, Jose Laonada, he purchased a house and then he couldn't find a contract for three years. So how hard can be for someone to not know what the future beholds for them. When you have everything in your hand and it suddenly goes away, it can happen. But how can you remain calmed and on your feet and say, this is just temporary, it's raining, but eventually the sun will come out?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that I, I mentioned earlier about you know you you build up your home you make it look pretty but it, it inevitably a hurricane's going to hit your your house is going to erode over time so it's important that you get out of your house that that you that you make those social connections with people that you really establish a sense of self worth outside of that house and that's what theater is for us it's our house and we build it from the ground up and we take a lot of pride in it but Our house is not our entire life. We have to build ourselves a life outside of that house. And so you go out and you meet friends. In this instance, I'm talking about, you know, basketball. I work out. I go to movies. I make sure that I vacation and spend time with those people that I care about. Because the more confident you are outside of your industry, outside of theater, you're going to walk into there with that sense of self, with that sense of purpose, that everything in your life doesn't ride on this one audition, that it doesn't necessarily matter. And obviously, there's always going to be pressure Mm -hmm. because It matters. It means something. If it didn't mean anything, it wouldn't bother you. You could just walk right in and out. But because it is important, and because you are so passionate about it, you are going to take that into the room with you. You also have to understand that this audition isn't everything. It's an opportunity to meet somebody. It's an opportunity to leave an impression, but it ultimately does not matter. In the span of the universe, I don't care what the callback is. I don't care who's in the room. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is your sense of purpose, your sense of self, and how you feel when you walk into that room and when you walk out of that room. And you build that foundation inside your house, but you also build it outside of your house. You build it on your relationships. You build it from class. You build it from studying. You build it from alternate uh, forms of employment, whether you're a a cater waiter, a personal trainer, a, a bank accountant, or an NBA writer, whatever it is you do, You have to find your sense of confidence in other places because you inevitably are going to experience a drought. Everybody does. The drought could be six months. The drought could be three years. You don't know. You might even walk away from the industry that you love because it's not working out for you and then might come back to it later. Lots of people do it and lots of people experience success that way, but you can't lose your sense of self and you can't just leave that into theater, into the arts. You have to find that outside of it as well so that you're really a fully formed adult and a fully formed person uh, capable of experiencing love within your industry and outside of it.
2: So you mentioned something really important as well, that uh, you used to be in New York, correct? So what made you decide and say, this is not my time here in New York, it's time to pursue something different. It's time to go and pack my bags and bring my family to another city, to another state and start from scratch. How and why you made that decision, which is for some people, it can be scary and stepping out maybe of your comfort zone and after living somewhere for such a long period of time and one day saying, hey, this is no not working for me anymore, as you were explaining, correct? Because the drought maybe could have been for a few months or years, as you mentioned. But how was it for you to make that decision and say, okay, it's my time to move forward Forward and to step out of New York, and then I chose Orlando as my home.
1: I mean, it was it was pretty easy for me uh, for two critical reasons. The the lesser of them was I just didn't really care for the city. It's it's a very stressful environment. You don't really have a whole lot of comfort there. Um, it's it's a difficult way of life. However, uh, it, it is the most exciting place to be in the world. If you want excitement, New York is the place for you. But the most important reason that I really wanted to leave New York and this is the overriding factor in all of it, is in New York, you get paid to leave. You get paid to travel. You get paid to go everywhere, expect where your home is, where your family is, where your loved ones are, where your friends are. Your friends are constantly changing. Your lovers are constantly changing. Your life is constantly changing. And that's really exciting when you're, you know, in your 20s. But as you get to your 30s and and you just want to be around the same people, you want to be around the same apartment, you want to be around the same pet, and you don't want to be uprooted all the time, you want to set a foundation for yourself, well, then New York really isn't the place for you. Because while you might Book a Broadway show that could potentially run for ten years, and who's to say maybe they want you in it for all ten of those years? Uh, more often than not, you're probably not going to work within the confines of New York, and if you do, it's going to be like a contract here in Orlando. It might be a year, it might be less. So you are always going to be shifting, and that really works for some people. Uh, but for me personally, I really wanted to be around my wife. I really wanted a pet. I was tired of living in like people's basements in Illinois or in people's outhouses in uh, Connecticut. Um, not to say that the housing wasn't appropriate. In, in very many instances, it was really nice. But there's just something about living at home. Not necessarily always living at home, but living at home nine months of the year, let's say. Because when you live in New York City, more often than not, if you are successful in theater, it means that you're not in the city. And that, that can get pretty old after a while, especially when you establish like really meaningful relationships with people you don't want to be apart from.
2: Yes, that's definitely true. So it's finding and just looking forward or having a sense of stability, maybe, which is very. Judy was boring. Hello. Then
1: Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW reporting prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Important for you nowadays.
1: Yeah, definitely. As you get older and you start to think, like, you know, at the end of the day, people don't care if I, you know, worked at Ivoryton Playhouse or, or Stage of St. Louis. The only per- people that really matter are your very close friends, your wife, your family, your parents. And at the end of the day, you just want to be close to them. And I still get to do what I love, I still get paid very well to do what I love in some instances more so than I than I did in New York. So I still get to do what I love and I get to be around the people that I love year round. So for me, it, the, the question was a non-starter.
2: Yes. so uh, now Preston, talk to us about your musical th- career in the musical theater, since we have been talking about how it is in New York, and now you perform for the Walt Disney Company, and uh, you have a contract with them as a performer. And talk to us about how that started for you. How did your musical career start back in time?
1: Sure. Um, I went to a boarding high school. It was a Catholic all-boys boarding high school. And you know we had study halls and that sort of thing. And I was in my rebellious phase, so going to do the local play meant that I could number one talk to girls, and number two I could smoke cigarettes. And those two <laughs> things were very important to me at the time. And uh, it led me to the University of Southern Mississippi, where I attended these uh, these these state competitions. And I ended up winning some kind of award for I don't know standout actor or whatever it was. And I won it back to back years. So I thought, you know what? Maybe this is something worth considering. I wanted to go to college for communications. And so one school with a good communications program that I visited was Elon University in North Carolina. And I thought, what the hell, I'll go in for the music theater program too. Got accepted. Uh, The girl who was introducing me to the program just really won me over. She just really sold the program really well. And I didn't do well in the program. I worked really, really hard, but I never got any parts. Um, I, I never got to wear a microphone, as you say, and say lines or sing a song. So I felt really down about myself, but I showed up every day working hard. I told myself I'm going to work harder than everybody and it's going to pay off for me in the long run. Um, and it did, I, I got my equity card probably like two months out of college. Um, I've probably done, I don't know, probably like 75 musicals, developmental labs, uh, table readings, that sort of stuff. Uh, in the past 15 years, um, I did the, the Grease Broadway tour with Taylor Hicks and Ace Young and some other people that you guys might not have heard of unless you're like super nerds like me. Um I did hairspray <laughs> on the Tony Awards. Um in if you're in Orlando, you might have seen me do Buying Clyde, Hairspray at the Encore Theater at Dr. Phillips, just did Wild Party. I do um Finding Nemo, I do Jedi, I do um Dee Doo Review, some other places I worked, Tuacon, Stage of St. Louis, uh Ogunkwit, uh the Lincoln Center was a big one where I got to sing with Kristen Chenoweth and um, Oh my gosh, what was the composer's name of Wild Party, Andrew Lippa? Um, <laughs> I sang with uh, Kristen Chenoweth and what was the guy? Cheyenne Jackson at Dr. Phillips at this Christmas thing. But anyway, if you if you work in this industry uh, long enough, you, you accidentally stumble into really, really cool gigs, and I've had my fair share of them. Um, And it's just been been super rewarding, and like I said, there's been really down years, there's been really Mm -hmm. tough times where I wonder, like, what the hell am I doing? And there's been other years where I feel like a superstar. Like, I remember 2014 for me specifically was a year that I could not stop working and landing high-profile gigs. And for every year like 2014, you have a 2013 when you don't necessarily do as well. So I I definitely feel like really proud of my career and I feel like it's going in a really good direction right now. I'm having a a really good season right now. Um, And it's just been a lot of fun. And I know that a lot of people listening might be like really eager to enter this career and to do some of these things and experience Mm -hmm. some of these things. And I know a lot of people will tell you if you can love anything else do it because this one is not going to be fulfilling long term for you, and I totally, wholeheartedly agree with that. If if you want like lasting success and stability, this is not the profession for you. But I will say there is no other profession out there that is as exciting as this one, for good and for bad. So if that's the kind of life that you're looking for, then this is a, a life of like passion and just leaving it out all out on the stage. Then this is certainly that career for you. But just understand that it's going to come with its share of difficulties.
2: So talking about those shares of difficulties, what has been your biggest challenge?
1: Money. Um, always money. In New York City, there were years where I think I probably cleared somewhere between like fifteen dollars and $25,000 because you'll, you'll get this big show at Gateway Playhouse where they do a lot of pre-Broadway runs. It's kind of like a, a sister to Paper Mill. And you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in Little Mermaid at Gateway Playhouse and my agent's <laughs> going to come and all these casting directors are going to come. Meanwhile... You're making like between three hundred seventy five and four hundred fifty dollars a week wow. if you can sublet your apartment if you can't sublet your apartment you're probably paying like I don't know nine hundred to twelve hundred dollars just for your room so you're not even making any money if you're on the road um so it's just it's just difficult and then when you're not doing that you're catering mm-hmm. making anywhere from like eighteen to twenty five dollars an hour for probably a five hour gig so that's probably around a hundred dollar day. And if you get like five of those in a week, that's still only $500 when you're living in New York City, the most expensive place in America. So it's, it's just very difficult to get by and you just have to manage your expectations in terms of quality of life, where you can eat out. I, I think I went my first nine months in New York living on an air mattress in my ex-girlfriend's apartment who was living with her boyfriend that she had cheated on me with, but I oh, didn't wow. have enough money to move out. Um, I was on an air mattress before bed. I I would wake up at 4.45 every morning to go to personal training at Equinox. Then I would audition. Then I would train from 4 to 8 p.m. I'd be home by 8.45. I'd be in bed by 9.45. I would just watch on my computer like two episodes of um, Arrested Development. And then I would get like six and a half, seven hours of sleep, and I would go back at it. Never went out to eat, never went to see any theater, never did anything fun for myself. That was my life every single day for, I want to say, like, I don't know, seven to nine months in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which, if you know Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, is probably about an hour 15 commute just by train to 42nd Street and where all the auditions are held. So that was probably the hardest time. Uh, in my life, for obvious reasons, not just the money, but also for this the circumstance, it feels like you 're trapped it feels like you 're stuck, it feels like you can 't escape it feels like there 's no light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. um, and and you just like are questioning every decision you 've ever made but if you if you stick to it and and you manage to come out of it and rise out of it, the next year was was very, very good to me so it's it 's just those series of ebbs and flows that make this profession the most difficult one uh, but also in many ways the most rewarding.
2: What has been the project you have felt most proud of?
1: Oh, God. Um, I mean, obviously there's ones that carry more clout. Those are probably the the ones on television. But personally, the one that I feel the most proud of um, might have very well been Bonnie and Clyde here at the Winter Garden Theater in Orlando. Um, I've had an opportunity to play many leading characters, but Bonnie and Clyde is a show that's not done very often, that not many mm-hmm. people have seen, mm-hmm. and not many people were expecting very much from me or the show, not many people knew who I was, I was relatively new to the area, not many people knew who the cast was, um, who was performing with me, but we knew what we had, we knew that it was special, and we just carried this like quiet confidence about us, our artistic director was very new to the area, not a lot of people knew who he was, so nobody really knew what they were going to see. And when people showed up, they were blown away. We sold out the entire run. Um, And it it was just different from all my other jobs because it meant a bit more because my friends and my family all live within Orlando. So everyone who's coming to support you, they're not strangers. They're not the blue hairs, you know, in in St. Louis who come out to see the local production because they're, you know, uh, ticket uh, subscription holders. These these are your friends. These are your family. These are people that you really want to impress. And when you know, like you step on that stage and you're like, I know that this is a great product. I know that you're gonna be proud of me. I know that this is gonna, this is really gonna surprise people and really blow them away. That's the product that we had with that show. And it was also just a great group of people. Like we surrounded each other with love. Everybody was supportive. There was, there was never any situations or circumstances that were uncomfortable. There was no uh, unnecessary drama backstage. It was really just a perfect storm of everything just working in fruition to make a really fantastic show. And people still talk about that show. I've pretty much booked all my shows at Walt Disney Company and some outside of Disney Company. Wild Party, which I just did at Theater West End, which I'm very, very proud of. I got that job just because the director had seen Bonnie and Clyde. I got my Christmas job at Disney just because the director had seen Bonnie and Clyde. I got Finding Nemo just because the director had seen Bonnie and Clyde. Like, all these opportunities that just kept coming to me was because of this one perfect storm of a production that I just luckily fell into. I remember at the callback, I was with my friend David Cottery, who also works at uh, Finding Nemo and was also at Wild Party. And that callback took five and a half hours. I think it took four hours before I even read or sang. And at that point, when you're tired... You're working a full-time job. You're just trying to make ends meet, and you're thinking, why Why am I here? What mm-hmm. am I doing here? This is my entire night. I'm so tired. Like I'm probably not even going to book this, and I'm investing so much in it, and I'm just spending my entire time just waiting. And that kind of frustration can boil over, and it can lead into your callback. It can lead into your product, but it didn't, and everything worked out. And so that's, that's, that's a moment in my life, even though it's not like the most like, – you're not going to look at that on my resume and go, wow, he did that. But it it is the one that was really special to me because it it, it was the most unexpected, that when I did it, I didn't know what it was going to initially lead to. And now, uh, two, three years later, opportunities are still coming to me because of that one perfect storm.
2: That's pretty amazing. It's a very interesting story because you said before, working with passion. And at the end, everything is related to that because you're doing something that you feel most passionate about, which is getting on a stage, and in a certain way, telling stories. So how easy or how hard it is for an actor standing on a stage to tell stories for that audience that paid a ticket, and maybe they don't know that you had a difficult day before getting on the stage, and how important it is for you to be able to put in a suitcase all your troubles, all your problems, and just say, okay, I'm going to take care of them, When I get home and then stand on the stage and be able to tell a story and connect with people that maybe that director or that someone is sitting right there listening to you, looking at you. And as you said, okay, I got this job at Disney thanks to the director that was sitting watching me. So how do you handle that whenever you're standing there connecting and telling stories, but you have your own personal life going on on the side?
1: And that is 100% tied to preparation. Once you're at that moment, that Saturday night, When, let's say, you've gotten into a car accident, you've lost your job, you weren't renewed at Disney, um, maybe you got into a fight with your wife, this perfect storm of of tragedy that's accompanying you to the theater, that's where all the preparation you did leading up to this moment takes over, and it allows you, you have the confidence that your body is going to do what it's supposed to do, and your mind emotionally is going to translate everything you're feeling, and it's just going to emit it onto the stage for you. But if you're not prepared, if you're not confident in the work you've already done leading up to that point. That's where you can steer off course. So that's why it's important. Everybody, when I try to set a tone, when I get to a rehearsal, I am ready. I might not necessarily be off book, but I am very, very familiar. I'm close within a couple of rehearsals. Usually if if you block a scene the next time I get to that scene, I am off book for that scene. The same goes for music. If somebody teaches me the music.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. At ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW route void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The next time we come across that specific song, that specific 16 bars, whatever it is, I am off book because the sooner that you can get off book, the sooner you can become comfortable, the sooner you can begin experimenting. And once you've gotten to the phase where you are experimenting, where you are making different choices, where you feel confident enough that you are present, that you're not thinking outside of who you are and what you're supposed to be doing... That's, that's when Jesus just takes the wheel. That's when you step out on stage, and regardless of how you're feeling, regardless of your nerves, your excitement levels, or your fears, your anxiety, your body has trained itself. You have the muscle memory within you to just let you take over. And you, your mind is so absent from what's happening, because once you start singing, once you start talking, the only thing that you can possibly channel is your character, is who you are. And will that performance change? Absolutely. But as long as you are confident in your product and properly prepared, then, then your body is just going to tell that version of that story as it relates to you that day. And you don't have to worry like, I'm going to forget my words because my wife yelled at me or I'm going to crack on this note because you know I got into a car accident. Obviously – sleep preparation is very important taking care of yourself you know a lot of young kids you'll see like going out and partying obviously you're very excited on opening night so you know maybe you have a couple of drinks and stuff and you you have permission to do whatever you want but you also have to take accountability you have to prepare yourself Mm -hmm. you have to take care of yourself and if you have done those things if you have taken care of your body and prepared your mind for that performance over the course of rehearsal process you have nothing to worry about you'll have some nerves that's inevitable we all will leading up into that scene you might focus your thought on whatever has been bothering you that day. But once you step out onto that stage and you start saying those words, your passion is just going to take over.
2: Yes, that's absolutely right. Now, Preston, we already spoke about your musical career theater uh, career in theater. Now, you also have a podcast, which is available on iTunes or whatever podcasts are available, correct? So talk to us a little bit about the NBA podcast, because it sounds very uh, it's not funny because actually it's entertainment right but it's like two two different sides of the entertainment business because you are on musical theater you have been on tv uh you do voiceovers but now you speak and you write for the orlando magic the orlando magic you have a podcast about the nba so talk to us a little bit about that project and if it was your idea how did it come to you and what is that you're wanting to pursue you mentioned at the beginning it's all about maybe making connections and everything but what's the goal of the nba podcast and what do you write about the orlando magic and the new orleans team as well yeah i'll be
1: super candid about this um i guess it was probably three years ago i started working for free writing for the pelican debrief um i wasn't i wasn't uh working very much. I had a lot of downtime. I'm very passionate about basketball. So I thought I can talk about my favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and I opened my own podcast, and I started interviewing some pretty notable people. And so the team at the Bird Rights, which is a subsidiary of SB Nation, they reached out to me, and they started paying me a little, and I started. I created a podcast for them. This is covering the New Orleans Pelicans, where I was born and raised. That's, that's the shared connection. And then since I was living in Orlando, there's a site here called Orlando Pinstripe Post, And I was eyeballing all of these different uh, magic vlogs, trying to find one that didn't have a podcast. And this is one that I earmarked because they didn't have a podcast and they were also under the SB Nation Umbrella Network. Mm -hmm. So I started writing for them. And then after I started writing for both of them, they started paying me. I continued doing the podcast. I continued talking to influential people through the podcast. The writing is great because it makes you a little bit of money and a lot of people like it, a lot of people comment. But podcasting is really where you get to meet people. You get to talk to people. You get to create relationships. Even though it doesn't pay me anything, mm-hmm. it's, it's led me to more relationships than writing ever could. So now I have podcasts for the Pelicans and the Magic as well as writing for both of them. Uh, fast forward to – or I guess uh, go back in time to – August of just last year 2018 I lost my job at Disney no explanation as to why and that's the nature of the business they mm-hmm. they never they don't have to give you a reason I went around to all the people around my stage. I said, hey, is there anything I'm doing wrong? And they said, no, we loved you. Obviously, it's a creative decision. And that sort of stuff happens. So I reached out. Um, There was a a job application for Bleach Report for an editor. I had never edited. I had barely written anything in my life. (laughs) But I BS'd my way through the interviews. I think there were five interviews. There were essays that I had to write, stories I had to write. It was a really involved process. And I was like, man, is this even worth it? But I got it. (laughs) And I got four months worth of full-time work, paying me better than Disney even did. It came with benefits. It was a great job. It was while a guy was on paternity leave. So as soon as he came back, I was like, damn it, man, I really enjoyed that job and I really want to keep that job. And they were so good to me. Uh, they really liked me that they kept me on as a writer. And so now I'm making really great money for them. And I'll be super candid. I think I made $25,000 last year just writing part-time for Bleach Report and SBNation.com. And I say part-time because that's what they pay you for, but I really was working full-time for them. Um, But I I did that and then they transitioned me to a writer being paid very well, getting like one or two articles per week, which is another part-time job. And all of a sudden, this is something that is very quickly approaching something that could be – my job. That could be my permanent uh, full-time job. I love it. I'm traveling to Vegas to meet some more people for uh, what's called Summer League, where all the national media members go, uh, the, the executives go from each respective organization. It's a great opportunity to watch young players. It's a great opportunity to meet people. And it's just something else that I'm investing my time into. Yes, And that podcasting also led me to voiceovers. And now I've probably done 30 voiceovers, I think, in the last year. Uh, they range anywhere from like a hundred dollars to like fifteen hundred dollars pop and some of them have been pretty notable and that all came from podcasting i invested in a really nice microphone mm-hmm. i was without a job for a month so i figured i might as well do this and then a month later after i got this job at bleach report after i was doing voiceovers i got my dizzy job back
2: <laughs> so that's
1: just like the, the, that's just the nature of this this stuff you can't really predict anything there's that's there's true. no explanation and it, it seems that just when everything like, couldn't get any worse, all of a sudden you have more jobs than you know what to do with. And, and all of a sudden you're just like, completely overwhelmed, but in all the best ways possible.
2: And that's pretty amazing because at the end, when you're doing this in the podcasting world, you never know who's listening to you. Because as I explain to the audience and to the guests that we have every week, sometimes uh, they listen to you in countries that you don't know how you got there but in a certain way they're listening to you and that's the idea telling stories of real life people like you people that are working hard to make their ends meet people that are working hard to um, make their dreams come true as I said at the beginning and as I mentioned before you have worked in the entertainment business as a whole so what is the most important memory that you can recall at this moment that it's the highlight of your career?
1: Uh, The Tony Awards, for sure. That was the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. Uh, I was working a Royal Caribbean ship, um, the Oasis of the Seas. At the time, it was the biggest ship in the world. And the Tony Awards were suffering at the time. They were really low on sponsors. So Royal Caribbean reached out to help, and they said, you know, advertise us, we'll advertise you. And they said, well, we know you have a couple of uh, full-fledged musicals on your ships. Is there any that you'd like to promote on our show? And they said, yes, uh, Hairspray is in the Caribbean, so it's got a good signal. We like the sets, and we like the performers in it, so we'd like to broadcast live from our cruise ship on the 2012 Tony Awards hosted by Neil Patrick Harris. And, of course, when they told me this, they told me this a week from um, the production of the show. I think it was June eleventh, two 2012, something like that. Anyway, I've never been more scared in my life for obvious reasons. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's being televised internationally. Yes. But more so than that, we were performing on a cruise ship, so there was all this negative feedback from guys who had been on Broadway that these guys don't pres- don't deserve to be on the Tony Awards, that sort, of th- that sort of thing. So I knew everyone was rooting for me to fail. Mm-hmm. Everybody was waiting for me to fall on my face, to forget my lines, to crack on a note, to miss a dance step. Everybody, if I had... If I had failed, everybody would have st- stood up and cheered, and we gave one hell of a performance. I don't know if anybody watched that thing, but if you saw, there, there, were a of, there were a couple of performances that year that I didn't think were, were up to the quality of the Tony Awards, but when you watch our performance, our performance was spot on, everybody was spot on, everybody sounded great, and we were all so proud because everybody wanted us to fail, and we gave a great product, and there's, there's just something to be said for overcoming that feeling overcoming that anxiety rising above it and just knowing that you know overcoming your fear of failure um whether you do it by bungee jumping or whether you do it by performing on a stage like just to know that you have the strength and you have the courage to overcome that fear really is a lifelong lasting memory that's never going to leave you and that's one of the reasons why this industry is so special
2: yes and you performed on hairspray at the royal caribbean and you wear corny collins correct
1: Yes, I was singing Nicest Kids in Town.
2: Yes, so I saw that video uh, a few weeks ago, and then yesterday, and it's pretty amazing. And for those of you that want to see that, you have that on your website. And if you can tell us your social media for people that would like to follow your steps and know where you are and the upcoming projects that you want, just go ahead and say whatever your social media is on Instagram and how they can look at your reels, listen to your voiceovers and everything that you have online.
1: Yeah, you guys can go to PrestonMellis.com, and that's M as in Michael. Uh, that's not my middle name. It's MacMillan, but I don't know why I said Michael. So just go to PrestonMellis.com. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. It's at Preston Ellis 1. However, I must caution you, it's 90% puppy photos. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter where you can see all my basketball takes, my articles, my podcasts, I post something pretty much every day. It's just simply at Preston Ellis on Twitter. Uh, so... There you have it, you guys can follow me. I appreciate it. More so than anything else. Uh, every everything when you're when you're on our level, everything is spread by word of mouth. That's true. Everything is spread by, by sharing, mm-hmm. by by just making that extra effort. And that's how we get jobs, mm-hmm. that's how we get recognition, that's how we get opportunities. So if you like what you've heard on this podcast, if you like what you see on my website, if you like anything about me, and my name pops up in any fashion, just just relating that story, relating that message. You don't know the effect. You don't know the power that you have by doing that, by that's saying true. somebody's name, by sharing something, by getting more eyes on something. You don't know the power that you have, and it's, it's, it's up to us to do that together, to do that mm-hmm. for each other, to, to help promote each other, to help support each other. And that's, that's how you make things great, not, not just like in this industry, but that's how you make shows great. That's how you make your workplace great. That's how you make your family great is always uplift and support each other. And I really appreciate you guys doing that for me.
2: And it doesn't even cost anything. It's just knocking on doors or maybe texting someone, hey, I listened to your podcast, it's amazing. And you start sharing it to your friends and family and then they're going to start sharing it with their friends and family. And that's how everything will be spreading out. And you never know when someone will be listening to you as it happened to you. With Bonnie and Clyde, and then you're going to get a contract of your maybe your dream job. And talking about that, I have a question for you, but you never know what, when's that, when that's going to happen. And speaking of dream roles, what's your dream role? Oh,
1: man. Um, this one's pretty hard for me. <laughs> it's a tough because, question, uh, right? We all do like have one. Pretty- yeah, no, I, I've got several. Um, one of them was Birds and Wild Party, and that was great. One of them was Clyde. I got to do Chad and All Shook Up. Um, Jerry and Fulmani was something I wanted to do for a long time, and I think I got to do it four times. Alter Boys was definitely a blast. But uh, one in Memphis – oh, my God, I'm losing the character's name, but that's okay. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I was offered the role at Slow Burn Theater in Fort Lauderdale. I'm going to look up his name right now. Um, Memphis, character, Broadway – show, Huey, Huey, Huey something. I can't remember. But anyway, he sings Memphis Lives in Me. I was offered the role. I initially took it, and then I thought, you know what? I don't have enough vacation days for this. I don't want to be away from my wife and our pets for five weeks. Uh, it's a three-hour drive, so it's not a commute that you could make daily. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pass on this opportunity. And then I ended up losing my Disney job, and I thought, you know what? Why did I care about what Disney thought, like obviously you want to serve your company well and and you want to do well and you want to show up and you want to fulfill your promise when you Mm -hmm. sign a contract. But when it comes to an opportunity like that, like you, you, you agree to a contract and you fulfill the contract, but you also have to take care of yourself. You also have to keep filling your own cup. You also have to keep fulfilling that passion, keeping that confidence growing and continue working on your own product. And that is that is both a dream role that I wish I had played, and it's mm-hmm. also a singular regret of something. And obviously, we all get to a place, like every, everything leads to a purpose, like maybe turning that down and regretting that is what led me to drive to Theater West End to audition for Wild Party. You just don't know, and everything happens for a reason. But with that being said, if I could play Huey in Memphis, I think that would just be a dream come true.
2: That's pretty amazing. We heard you singing one song, Glory, from Rent which is was a production. Talk to us a little bit about that character. Um, for some people listening to us here in the United States on Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, whenever this podcast is available, you can listen to it all the time and share it to your friends and family so they can listen to Preston Ellis' story and relate and resonate with it. So talk to us a little bit about Roger on Rent. How did it mean to you? Because we already know that you had a lot of fun. With Courtney Collins on Herspray, you were on national television during the 2012 Phony Awards hosted by Neil Patrick Harris. That was amazing. But talk to us a a little bit about that production of Rent and what did it mean to you playing that important and iconic character for some people? And even that's a dream role for some singers and actors looking to have a role in the musical theater, even though Rent, it's not on Broadway anymore, but they have a tour production of it.
1: Yeah, that was definitely my most difficult experience in this industry um, in my career. I guess I've been in this, I don't know, 16 years or so. That was the most difficult, and it wasn't necessarily the character so much as it was the theater. Uh, sometimes when you're in this industry, uh, you're you're not taken care of. Um, not not just not taken care of. I don't need a lot. I, I just mean like I was living in Phoenix, Arizona. I was in this this apartment that had cockroaches. It had rats. The refrigerator didn't work. The air conditioner didn't work. Uh, we didn't have blinds on our window. Apparently the person who was like supposed to set up the apartment uh, had, had been fired, had been let go. So, you know, I, I'm a very like nice person. I'm not a confrontational person. I was just like, hey, can you guys help me out with this? This is what's happening. My roommate did the same thing and they gave us a lot of pushback and they were really hard and I called my agent. I was like, I don't I don't know if I can live like this for seven weeks and so my agent took care of it and they they put in blinds. They replaced the refrigerator but you could just tell for the rest of the process how angry they were at me. And so when I would make choices on stage, and I, I always fulfill what a director tells me to, but usually what happens in most processes is a director will block something. They'll give you a, a, a couple of hints about what direction they want you to take, but really they want to give you the blocking, they want you to go out there, and they want you to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so in this instance, that's what happened. And then I went out onto the stage and I did myself, and the director was very short with me. He was very short, not just with me, with all the principals. Uh, I think he was having a difficult time in his life, but he was very hard on us. He would yell at us. Um, This is probably more more information than you need to know specifically about that theater. But the point is, not every dream role is going to be a dream role not every dream show is going to be a dream show not every circumstance regardless of how much positivity and fun you bring into it is going to be a positive experience and you Mm -hmm. have to know that you have to know that it's not always going to be perfect but at the end of the day you still have to be positive you still have to bring your a-game you still have to bring your work ethic and every time i stepped onto that stage i gave one hell of a show i invested everything i had in it I think I, I made the theater proud for the people who came and saw the show. I gave them what they were looking for, and and Rent is a fun, fun show to perform. People tell you that when you play like a very sad, angry character, that you bring that home with you. No, obviously you invest, you do a lot of work, but when you are out there singing a song like One Song Glory, singing across from Mark, um, you know, playing a guitar for Mimi. Those are things that you don't get to experience in most shows. Those are emotions that you don't get to emit in most shows. And how anybody can consider that anything else than a blast, anything else than a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity is beyond me. But for me, it would, once I stepped onto the stage, it was purely special. And we all felt connected by the experience that we had, me and the other principals. And we had one hell of a time, and we put on one hell of a show. And when you have a group that really connects and really bonds. I think an audience can experience that. And I think an audience that really resonates with them Mm -hmm. when you see those passionate, special moments and you see that those people really are connected to each other.
2: That's true. And speaking of that character and portraying Roger and singing and connecting to the audience, you mentioned one song, Glory and you have that on your website, but I have a special request. If it's possible, of course, because you know that you have to train and all that and warm-ups. But is there a way that you can give us just a slight little taste of your voice singing "Once on Glory from Rent?
1: I'm so sorry. I I have so many recordings of this. Uh, (laughs) I would feel weird not doing it with like music or a band or something. I don't even know what pitch I would start on. Um, But I promise you guys, I have so many videos of this on my site. If you go to my SoundCloud, you can hear a live recording of that. One thing that I can drop with you guys is I have a ton of recordings of Wild Party. And for those of you who didn't get to to see it, it's very similar to the style of Rent in in the singing. It's that kind of like really passionate, gritty rock sound, uh, very Andrew Lippa. There's one video on Facebook right now. uh, There's actually a 15 uh, second snippet. On my Facebook, but also on Instagram, if you're follow at Preston Ellis 1. Once you comb through all the puffy photos, you can see probably <laughs> about 32 bars of me saying what is it about her. But I've got the entire musical. I'm breaking uh, down and editing all the film right now. So I should have the full performance of what is it about her. I've got Let Me Drown. I've got Make Me Happy. And that will all be posted to my website and on Instagram soon.
2: So make sure to follow those websites. Follow Preston on Instagram so you can get a taste of his talent. And now Preston, we're getting to the end of Artistic Spot and we have a very nice section which is called Fast Questions and Short Answers. Are you ready for them? They're specially made for you to get to know you a little bit better on a personal side, but they're fast and you just have to tell us whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready for it? Fire away. So the fast question and short answer portion of Artistic Spot begins now. Favorite color?
1: Oh, uh, silver. Flavor. Chocolate. Favorite city? Um, huh. I, I guess I'll say take New... Back, you, you know back, what? No, I'm going to say back, um. Oh, back, ooh, Vancouver.
2: If you were given the chance to go back in time, who would you like to meet?
1: Um. I mean, he's still alive. I would love to sit down with Michael Jordan for 60 minutes. Wow. Um, I, he... Possesses a level of intensity and passion that I, I feel is unmatched. Uh, a work ethic that is unmatched, and I just, I, I just would like to know how somebody, how somebody becomes that person. If if it's something that's grown and nurtured and created, and and how you show up every single day, because that's that's the kind of tenacity I try to show up every day is that I'm going to outwork everybody and I'm going to have my hand in several pots. and I'm still going to take care of myself, but I'm also going to invest more into what I'm doing than anybody else does. And if I do that, I will be successful. And I feel like he is the crystal clear example of that, somebody who had so much stacked against him his entire life and always overcame it. And we knew he would. He got to a place where he was so special that we knew he would. And I just think that makes him, um, I don't know, the person that I – Possibly admire most
2: favorite song,
1: uh, anything by Michael Bolden. What a loser I am! Favorite uh, musical, <laughs> uh, you know, I, God, I'm such a loser. <laughs> I saw Scarlet Pimpernel in 1998, this swashbuckling pop singing show. Um, I'm trying to think of what his name was, uh, Doug. Doug it's it's leaving me But anyway, it was the first Broadway show That I really, really loved It was kind of like Three Musketeers meets Little Shop of Horrors And it was just really, really enjoyable And I would love to see it again But nobody does it
2: What's, What's your favorite artistic, artistic spot? spot?
1: What do you mean my favorite artistic spot? This is my favorite artistic spot
2: There you go, see? And we give you a round of applause For making it through the final question Short answer portion of artistic spot Preston, once again, thank you for being part of Artistic Spot. We're looking forward to having people like you telling their stories and help those stories, help others resonate with them. And every week bringing this to life so people can listen from people like you who has experience in the entertainment business and tell you, hey, listen, you can do it because I did it. We have a special gift for you that you have seen through our social media, which is RJJ Design on Instagram. It was made by artist, Venezuelan artist, Jose Jose Gonzalez, who besides being my product, my producer for, for this podcast, he's also my companion in this adventure called Life. So it's related with your career, with one of the characters that you portrayed in Finding Nemo the musical. So we'll, we'll be mailing that to you so you can have it on a special place and remember this time that we spent together.
1: That's really special. You guys are going above and beyond. I super appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Preston, for joining us. And now before we leave, just, I just want you to give our audience listening to us on Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio any piece of advice that you would like to give any of the dreamers out there. It doesn't matter if they live in the United States. It doesn't matter if they're in China. It matters to give them an advice to follow their dreams. What would you tell them? After listening Uh, to this podcast,
1: obviously work ethic is paramount. But what I would say, first of all, is be happy, take care of yourself. Be confident, and that has to exist outside of this realm. You have to find your own self of worth, your own sense of worth. You have to find what makes you special outside of being on the stage because otherwise you're going to live a very long and very lonely and maybe successful life. But at the end of the day, all that matters is being happy and feeling valuable. And if you feel those things, then you are really going to enjoy your life, not just on stage but also off of it. Uh, So many of us invest so much in the jobs that we get in what we do on stage, on what we're proud of on stage. But at the end of the day, that's just such a small snippet of our life. Really invest in yourself. Really invest in your relationships.
2: Thank you, Preston, once again for joining us in Artistic Spot. Thank you for sharing your story. For those of you listening, tune us back in next Wednesday at 7 p.m. in Artistic Spot, where you are also the artist.